This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. After a large scandal which saw its president uh, have to leave office, South Korea has elected a new leader. Moon Jae-in, who is the son of North Korean refugees, takes over for Park Jun-hee, who became the first president in 60 years to be removed from office in that country. As for Moon Jae-in, he is someone that favors talks with North Korea to try and settle differences, which may actually rattle the United States a bit. To take a look at this election a bit further, we're joined in studio by Wharton's Philip Nichols, professor of legal studies and business ethics, and on the phone with Richard Dasher, who is director of the U.S. Asia Technology Center at Stanford University. Phil, great to see you again as always. Always good to see you, Dan. Thank you, Richard. Great to have you as well. Thanks for having me on the program, Dan. Thank you, Richard. So uh, give us a little bit of insight about, uh, about the new president. Is that for me or for Phil? For you, sir. Okay. The new president was actually chief of staff to a former Korean president. He narrowly lost the election in 2012 to former President Park. He's a little bit on the liberal side. Uh, He does favor a policy that's very similar to what we had about 15 or 20 years ago under Kim Dae-jung to try to engage North Korea more. Uh, But the main issues that came out in the election this time were the economy and the close relationships between the giant Korean Chebol and the government. People were really upset because of, and and what really got President Park into trouble was uh, basically being paid off by uh, very large Korean companies. Not only is she in jail right now, but the president of Samsung was arrested in January, and so he's in jail right now. So the economy, young people in Korea had been very concerned, and they're worried about not having enough jobs. And so the economy there has really kind of lost its sense of confidence Mm -hmm. that it had up until a few years ago. Phil, what's your opinion on this selection for the new president? Well, the only thing I would um, underline in what Richard just said is that it's hard for people outside of Korea to understand the kind of national trauma that the Bach um, impeachment uh, created. Um, You know, they've got a missile hurling, somewhat erratic... Somewhat? (laughs) Well, to be polite. Right, okay. (laughs) Um... You know, neighbor to the north, and yet when I talked to my friends in Korea, all they could talk about was the bizarreness of box behavior and yeah. the 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 just daily emotional grind of going through an impeachment process. So when when people hear you know concerns about the economy, concerns about the table, and things like that, it doesn't fully convey the trauma that an impeachment put a nation through. Just like the near impeachment in this country 40-some years ago uh, left a scar that lasted for decades. Well, th- and that's an interesting piece to bring up here is because obviously when we talk about impeachment, obviously the focus is on realistically one person, one leader. Yet in this case with South Korea, 
everything is so kind of intertwined on the leadership in that country. Oh yeah, that that this did this kind of damage to the country over the last several months. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and as Richard pointed out, the the electorate is is really not happy with the long-standing relationship between the table and the political establishment in Korea, South Korea. Was was there really any any sh- shock in this uh Richard that we had this shift from uh, the prior president, in terms of the shift on political parties and want to shift uh, to, to having President Moon take office? Not really. Again, go back to President Park. She was a really unusual person. She was the daughter of uh, President Park Chung-hee, who was really a dictator. Yeah. And she basically isolated herself in the presidential palace and was considered, you know, unavailable at key times when she should have been available. A lot of older people had voted for her, more conservative, who kind of wanted to go back to the good old days under her father. And so when all of this started to unravel, uh, there were five or six candidates for president, but Moon Jae-in was probably clearly the leader. I don't think anybody was surprised by the way that the election turned out, certainly not after the last, in the last month. And he's been saying things to keep pretty much people all across the electorate happy. He's promising to create a lot of new jobs, over 800,000 new jobs in the public sector that he says he's going to create by raising taxes on wealthy people. Uh, He's promising to increase the transparency and the accountability for these giant uh, Chebol companies. And it will be interesting, especially with the last one, to see if he can do that. Previous presidents have gone up against the Chebol, and more or less the Chebol have won. That's right. Um, The Chebol are uh, resilient, to say the least. One ray of hope we have here. And and it is hope. I mean, you know, the Chebol have done a lot for South Korea. But explain to, for the people that don't know what the the Chebol really is. Um, they are uh, interlockingly uh, directed um, uh, conglomerates that uh, they're 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 similar in some ways to the monopolies in the United States in the late eighteen hundreds, okay. early nineteen hundreds, but. They operate more through um, these kind of interlocking directorates okay. uh, rather than just outright ownership of the majority of shares of everything. Okay. Um, and if I can add to that, they're kind of family controlled. Yeah. So that there are a few very powerful, wealthy families behind them. And even though they own just a small percentage of the shares in the company, they've got things so complicated that they control it. It, it is obviously, Richard, a unique kind of formula, you know, for the economy of South Korea to have it in kind of this manner. Something that, I mean, I don't know how prevalent it would be in other parts of the world. Obviously, it's it's a little bit different here in the United States, but it's something unique to our listeners who really have never heard of this type of formula for for basically running companies and, and basically building an economy. There's a lot of similarity to the old pre-war zaibatsu in Japan that were kind of at the heart of the military-industrial complex. And Mm -hmm. after World War II, MacArthur basically split them up. 
yeah. made them get rid of their interlocking shares and uh, took away the uh, possibility of having holding companies and really took away the power of the families that ran the old Zaibatsu. But uh, that would probably be beyond what the president of Korea could do. The most that I think they can do is probably increase the rights of minority shareholders to elect people on the board and maybe change the voting structure so that the families would have less control. But the real issue is that the Chebol control at least 90% of the available capital because they have banks that are connected to them. They have all of the affiliates that not only deal with manufacturing, but distribution and parts. Right. And the the ones that everybody knows are Samsung and LG and Hyundai. Yeah. And uh, so it's really, um, they are a very big player in the economy. But, but they are, and... and... When I've talked with people who have, you know, thought constructively about unwinding the table, it, it will take time. The 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 now is the moment. However, the 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 political capital in South Korea um, that Moon has, he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have a majority of the parliament, but he certainly has the political capital, and and popular efforts to. Unwind these interlocking directorates. Yeah, you know, c- could happen now. It, it it just all we have to find is a crack to start wedging them open. Just like um, again in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds in in the United States. Well, it, it took a while, but but those cracks allowed with popular pressure, allowed them to unwind the trusts. We are joined in studio by Philip Nichols of the Wharton School, Richard Dasher of Stanford University. You're listening to Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We're talking about the South Korean election, new president, uh, President Moon Jae-in, in uh, office in the next uh, couple of days, taking over for the former president, President Park, who uh, was removed from office after the uh, political scandal uh, in that country. I guess, uh, Richard, the, the next step in, in this process that everybody has kind of jumped on is this comment that he made about willing to have an open dialogue with the North. And, and as we have seen in the last few weeks, the concern of the U.S. about the North you now have this president saying he would have an open dialogue with the North. Those two forces would seemingly not really f- mesh together, correct? Uh, it does seem like it's stretching the rubber band pretty uh, tightly. But it's worth remembering that the U.S. election happened just as the Korean previous, you know, Park's government was falling apart. And she was impeached back in early December. And, of course, there was an acting president during the interim. But basically, that person was only a caretaker. So I think the attitude in Korea, the kind of view in Korea, is that all this policy is being made when we're the people most directly affected and other people are making the policy. So I would expect uh, President Moon to try to do some things uh, if he has a, a first meeting with President Trump soon, that would be a good thing. 
He probably will also reach out to Xi Jinping in China very early um, and try to coordinate, maybe go back to the old six-party talks that involve both Korea's and uh, Japan, Russia, China, and the U.S. Um, I don't think he's just going to get on the plane and go <laughs> to Pyongyang. Um, but I do think he's going to try to to say that he's a new factor in this equation that has reached an impasse and maybe everybody's opportunity to kind of calm things down a little bit. Phil? The, the, I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting to, to watch this unfold. Um, uh, Moon is you – know, he was at um, Kim's deathbed. Uh, he – and, and apparently, of course, we don't know this for sure, but Kim's last words to him were to retake the initiative so that um, the sunshine policy could be revived. Whether or not Moon is, you know, embraces the sunshine policy fully, whether he wants to reopen Kaesong, for example. Right. I, I don't think we fully know. He seems to be less inclined towards this un abashed rapprochement with North Korea. But, uh, you know, um, Richard's absolutely right. They're the people closest. Nonetheless, Kim's behavior has been, I used the word erratic before, unpredictable. (laughs) Maybe that's another word that we can use. Um, Who knows how long he can navigate those really strange waters. But it is interesting, though, that that this is one of the first things that seemingly he would like to try. Maybe I shouldn't say first things that he wants to do, but seemingly he wants to kind of open the door to have conversations with somebody that is perceived by many countries around the world to be, as you have graciously put, erratic. You know, to say the least, uh, with missile tests and, and the potential of nuclear. You know, this is somebody that if if I think if you're talking with a lot of people, you would say this is somebody that needs to be taken from office. And now we're talking about a situation where he potentially wants to work with them and, and find common ground at this point. That's that's an interesting kind of philosophy to have. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Think, yeah. Richard? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I th- think the perception in Korea is that um, the Trump administration is also kind of unpredictable in what they say. Fair you know, true. Yes. All of the negative words about North Korea. Suddenly, uh, President Trump the other day says he's, that Kim Jong Un is a smart cookie, and so I think that um, in a way, this is an opportunity for President Moon. That in some ways may be easier for him to score a win than it would be to really fix the economy, mm. because if he makes mm. the right kind of gestures and Kim Jong-un in the North doesn't do anything, everybody knows Kim Jong-un is unpredictable. That's interesting you say that, yeah. that, that this would be potentially more important than, than working on the economy. Uh, I, I, what is it that was really behind that in the culture of South Korea and maybe even the, the way that the government has played out over the last couple of decades that that really would would that would be the, the more key motivating factor right now? Richard? Well, first of all, when I say score a win, I think I mean reduce the level of tension a okay. little bit. Okay. 
that that's really all all that probably can be achieved, and some sort of a you know visible note to back down and and it may be that uh he does offer to open up this Kaesan, which was kind of a joint industrial park where South Korean companies had a little bit of land up on the north side of the demilitarized zone and um were hiring North Korean workers in factories. Uh, this is a uh, possibility he might resume aid to North Korea or offer to resume aid in exchange for the North backing down on their nuclear weapons development. But that is a risky, risky game. I think most people would game. take that very skeptically. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's risky because Kim has not proven to be a reliable partner. Um, his yeah. father was not you know, an angel, but but in general, the Kaesong Industrial, you know, that there was an understanding of what was going on there. It wasn't a chip. The it, My understanding is it eventually closed down more because of some difficulties in the diamond, Black Diamond Mountain areas. But um, this, Kim, that's a risky, risky uh, venture. I mean, it may be what his strategy is, but I can see a big downside to that. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School, joined on the phone by Richard Dasher of uh, Stanford University, Phil Nichols of the Wharton School here at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, I guess then, uh, Richard, then what becomes the relationship between the United States uh, and President Moon uh with this potential relationship with North Korea as kind of a, a factor in it? I think that uh, North Korea may not be much of a factor. It really, I'm not sure the U.S. is really paying that much attention to South Korea in regard to uh, the policy versus North Korea. Okay. We're more concerned about the development of an ICBM that would reach the United States. Right. Uh, what I think may be the, the elephant in the room is the trade deficit. Mm. Uh, South Korea has a huge trade surplus. And I think that this is going to figure into the relations between the U.S. and South Korea pretty soon. Hmm. Richard? That, that, that's a really good point. Um, I, I, that's a really good point. I, I look to the politics in the United States. Uh, the fact that North Korea is developing a, or possibly developing an ICBM, they, their technology has, not, has proven to be as erratic as their leadership. Um, the I mean, that that's very headline grabbing. I, I I'm the notion that we would actually pay more attention to the trade deficit. That's an interesting notion. If that if that happens, then the um, position of the table becomes even more tenuous because the monopolies created by the table are one of the serious barriers to trade into um, South Korea. They they do contribute in a meaningful way. To that deficit. Yes, they do. Uh, I really think that it's, it's not so much a comparing the importance of the two issues. It's just that uh, the U.S. stance versus North Korea developed during this power vacuum in South Korea. So the South has not really been that active in talking about the issue over the last few months. And 
So I think U.S. policy went on ahead and was developed pretty much as it was. And um, we'll see how well President Moon can get President Trump's ear. But uh, I know that you know the current U.S. administration attitude toward trade is going to be an issue with Korea. Now, it fits pretty well with uh, Moon's uh, plans because the same – sort of blocking that keeps uh, foreign goods out of South Korea also prevents startup companies yeah. from really having much of a market chance in South yeah. Korea. The Chebol are controlling that, too, and, and everybody feels that that's slowing down the country. Yeah. So they may indeed uh, open up considerably in, in the economy. Not that it's necessarily directly with North Korea, but is is the South China Sea an issue in this process as well, Phil? Um, I would think that the um, THAAD, the missile defense, would be more of an issue involving China, which is generally what we talk about when we talk about the South China Sea, than, um, than the South China Sea. Uh, and I know that um, President Xi uh was called in was very uh, uh, appreciative of the election of Moon. Um, we might see a closer relationship between China and uh, South Korea under this administration than certainly under the past. You think that's possible, Richard? It is. Uh, again, we're talking policies that could have a great deal of risk. The THAAD was deployed a few weeks ago, and if one of the first things that President Moon does is offer to China to uh, stand it down. Um, I don't know how that affects the, the leverage from that point on. Great to have you both with us. Thank you very much, Richard. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. Great to see you again, Phil. Thank you very much. Always, Dan. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 